Uh, hi, um, I'm Sophia. This is Andrew, for those who don't know us. Um, we have the honor of leading the youth this year, and it's been so amazing. Uh, it's new to us. Well, me, not him. Uh, so it's, it's a new experience, but I really love it. Um, if you're, I just wanted to say that it's going really well. I want to talk about that, but I want to speak directly to those who were born between 2001 and 2004, because these are the people I'm leading uh, and that we're leading, and we're so blessed. Um, we want to have the opportunity to speak life over you, to call out the gold in your life. We want to, <laughs> yeah, we want to be able to speak into you and see God move in you, and we want to see uh, this flame of God get ignited in your hearts um, that you can carry on to college, university, wherever you go. If you go to Bethel like we did, you know, we want to see that. Um, and we want to just see it ignited in your lives. And we're, uh, yeah, we have just seen so much uh, come alive these past few weeks even. Uh, we've seen healings. We've seen God speaking. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, people who don't, usually come out to youth, come on out, and we hear, uh, we see God speaking in their lives and, and changing them, and we're hearing awesome testimonies back, so we're really blessed, um, and everyone who I haven't met yet, uh, I really care about you, I want to see this in your life too, so I really want to see you guys come out too, so I can say hi, and we can pray over you, and prophesy over you, and just build you up for the little uh, kingdom that you're going to build in your lives. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give, I'll give my piece. So yeah, we just, the conviction in my life is that the kingdom of God is not just a matter of talk, but of power. So we want, we want all you guys to come out and just enjoy the power of God and the experience and the encounter. Because we want to really just build you up in your identity in Christ. Because once you know who you are, once you know that you're royalty, you're an heir of God, then you start asking the better questions like, where's my influence? Where's my authority? Where's my power? All right, and we want to we infuse you with the presence of God and the power of God to see you succeed in, in, in your high school and in every step of the way. We want to see you like a whole life of miracles. We, we believe it's possible. That the kingdom of God is for everyone who believes. And greater things you'll do. So yeah, so we just really feel God's really highlighting, especially in this season, is the gift of prophecy, enable like a really clarity to hear his voice. And when you get that, then you can receive from him in your prayer room. It's not just a one-way conversation. It becomes two-way. And then we can encourage each other, and, and we can speak into each other's lives. We just want to rally each other up and stir each other up in love and good works. Just come on out. If you're in, even if you're in, like, Super 12 and you're, like, you think you're past the age, just come out anyways. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> right? Yeah, in a nutshell. But, yeah, if you, could, you guys could just pray for, for the youth group. We, we believe that God's going to do awesome things. And, yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's come on up here, you guys, and the youth, come on up here. Hannah, get up here. Come on, you guys. We want to lay hands on them this morning. Praise the Lord. Come on. This is awesome. Praise God. Wow. Listen, we serve an amazing God, don't we? Don't we? And, uh, you know, even if you're like you know, Dave, Dave did the, 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 the six-year high, high school program. He was in youth for the whole, the whole six years, right, Dave? Come on, man. You find a year, you get in that groove, and you stick with it. You don't, you don't let that thing go. And, uh, you know, and that's what he's saying. Like, it doesn't matter what year you're in. You know, we just want you to come and, and, and bless. And uh, even if you're a little older, as long as you're willing to come and serve and lay your life down, then, then you're welcome. That was always my motto. Uh, and if you're willing to come and pour your life out, then, then we want to we have you. Well, praise the Lord. We're so blessed to have you guys with us, and we're excited about what God's doing and where, where we're going. Amen. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you for Andrew. We thank you for Sophia. Father, we thank you for the gift to the house that you've brought in them. And, Father, we know that, Lord, this has been a quick transition as they, they, they jumped in in the fall, started getting their feet wet, getting to know some of the youth, Lord. And, and Father, uh, God, that uh, as the youth get to know them, and, and transition is always, Father, difficult. But, Lord, you've been opening things up, and you've been pouring out your Holy Spirit through them. And, Father, we're excited about what, God, you have got in store for the youth of our city as as we move forward. Father, we just pray favor over them. We pray, Father, your blessing over them. We pray, Father, for the Holy
Holy Spirit to work through them to Lord as, as, as they both said, just to open the, the, the youth up and Father, as they understand their identity in Christ, Lord, they begin to ask those bigger questions. Where is my influence? What is it that I'm called to do? What am I going to help shape for the Lord in this world and in this realm? And Father, we just thank you today. We bless them. And Lord, we release through them, Lord, an anointing to minister to the youth of this city. And Father, I pray that the youth as they gather around them would not just think about those who are in that age group in this house, but Lord, those who are the same age in their school, who need Jesus, who go to school every day feeling empty and alone and need the Spirit of God to lift them up and to, Father, give them hope and a future. And Father, we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? You know, it just, just, it never ceases to amaze me uh, how good my God is. Praise the Lord. I just want to thank Amanda and John for working with the youth over the last few years. And uh, yeah, come on. And uh, they, were, they were both just very supportive of Amanda and Sophia and, uh, and uh, loving on them. And thank you guys for uh, helping them in the transition and, and making it through. And and uh, for pouring your lives into the kids, we appreciate it so much. And, and uh, you know, it is good to love on the youth, right? Because you know, our youth and our children are not the church tomorrow. They're also the church today, right? And one of the things I've learned about the youth today is that, uh, yeah, people are down on millennials and the, those falling after them because they're so entitled and they're this and they're that. But you know what? They're also the most collaborative generation in history. I want you to understand that for a minute. They like working together to solve problems. They're very collaborative. And they're, they're very focused on doing things together and, and finding solutions together. And, and I believe that collaborative spirit and anointing that rests on this generation is going to shift our world. Because as they work together, God is able to open up the heavens and release great things through a people that are willing to do something, not for what it's in it for me, but what's in it for we. You heard what I'm saying this morning? And, and I believe that this generation has got that uh, in, in, in levels that no generation before them has ever understood. And we're going to see God work through them to open up amazing doors in schools and campuses, universities and colleges. We're going to see the biggest revival sweep our nation that has ever been as the, the, this generation says, we can do it. Not I can do it, we can do it. Amen? Praise the Lord. That's awesome. I'm not supposed to preach today, though. That's what Ken's here for. <laughs> you know, uh, we've been journeying with Ken and Cheryl for, uh, well, the church is uh, uh, 24 years old this spring, and I believe, Ken, you came in our first summer. Uh, so prophesied in our first keyboard player, uh, Cindy, and uh, spoke to that, and, uh, and we had two of them within a couple weeks, and because uh, we had none when we started. And so there was just me banging around on a guitar and uh, Cheryl Mulner standing up there singing her lungs out and, uh, you know, Mark Hall on the drums. That's, that was it. There was the trio. And, and, uh, and we had Ted on the bass. Bing, 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 bing. And away we went. And then we, Cindy came along on the keys and, and then we just uh, took off from there and everything was awesome. But Ken and Cheryl have been speaking into our house and blessing our house right from the beginning. And so we always counted a privilege. Even though we had an ulterior motive for getting here this time, we always counted a privilege to have you uh, in our house. So would you put your hands together and welcome uh, Ken as he comes and ministers the word this morning. Testing, one, two, three. What do you think? We're going to work? If not, you can keep that hand mic. How's that? Better? Yep. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good, morning. good to see you. It's uh, 
My voice is a little tired. I got a little carried away last night at the uh, leadership gathering. And uh, that heater above me, I think, was, was, I got, yes, did anybody see that burn that's on there? Well, first of all, thank you for the gift that was given today. And thank you for everybody that contributed, absolutely. You knew what I had to do to go through to get those things here. <laughs> that, that customs, oh my goodness, I had to take everything apart. And I thought, oh man, it's brand new. I said, you know, it's never been opened. It's not out of the box. No problem, sir. Open up the box. And then open up the box inside the box. Now take it out. Now open it up. You know, and all those things to get a brand new computer here. So I didn't realize I was opening up something that might come my way. <laughs> Never had the faintest idea about that one. But anyways, it's, uh, it's excellent to be here. And uh, I was, I've been in and out a couple times because of the passing of Joe Cox. And I don't know if Shelba's here today or not, but uh, I don't see her or Kathy or any of the family. But that was a great celebration of life. A couple of weeks ago, as we uh, came in together, to I've known Joe and Shelba now since 1976, so it's a long time. And the grace that was on their life, and the generosity that they shared with us as a family, as a very young family, and um, without their generosity, I don't know how we made it through the years that we were here. Because when we came here, our salary was. $180 a week and all the hymn books you could eat. <laughs> As you can see, all the hymn books I've been eating up. <laughs> and uh, I, we didn't know how we were going to make it. And uh, Cheryl wasn't able to get work as a nurse. But uh, God brings people that carry that spirit of generosity. So you don't forget those 43 years ago sowing into your life of the goodness and the grace of God. And then to intersect with Randy all these years and to walk with them in their church for the last dozen years and to walk with them, then to be able to be here and then to see so many people whose lives we've been able to touch and impact and influence in this area. So we've been coming here now for 40, coming into 44 years. Isn't that amazing? I was six when that happened. and uh, But other than that... So you kind of uh, you kind of caught me off guard here this morning. I'm kind of left speechless. And you've said, "Praise God, praise God." <laughs> left speechless. Yes, sir. <laughs> but thank, but thank you, thank you so very much, and uh, look forward to uh, finding my way through this new. You are, you are. I have come. I came here with a word for your leadership last night, and it's not, I'm not finished. And I, I unpacked some things that I believe are just the first step. When I was with the men uh, speaking at the breakfast back in the 1st of, of uh, December, I really believe that the Holy Spirit was saying to me for you that your, your best years are just in front of you. Amen. And that, that's, not a, that's not a platitude. That's not trying to be nice because you've been nice to me. Uh, that's not really how it works. It's... Uh, are you ready to step into something fresh? Or is our God concept, you know, well, we've got everything that we've, uh, we have now. We've received it all. There's nothing more for us to receive. Well, I believe we've only just begun. Uh, Kevin, has, the last few weeks, he's been talking about grace. I'm not sure. I keep track of every message I preach wherever I, wherever I go until 2012. You say, well, what happened in 2012? Well, 2012, my computer was stolen from outside the church in Calgary, and I was coming here, flying overnight on Saturday night, and I, uh, my briefcase, they, they were supposed to put it in the back of my car, and they didn't. And so sometimes I don't trust people carrying my briefcase because I want to make sure it gets in the car. And uh, I got to the airport with no briefcase, and nothing in my computer, and I think I made it back to the church, I sinned, Michael, I sinned, I, I, I sped the entire way, and the other officers here, I sinned, but I didn't get caught for that sinning. 
I made it from the airport to the church, I think, in 11 minutes because I thought, I can't, I can't lose that. And it was gone. And you guys blessed me in 2012 with the computer that I have. But the thing of it is, is at the same time when this church was, Kevin was in a series on grace. See, I keep track of everything, right? But I haven't kept track of everything since I lost my computer. But I have track of, of what happened. So what I did is I went back because when, when I asked any way that I can serve you because I don't have an agenda for you. And so I, that, at that time I spoke on grace within the theme that you're going. It's very interesting that in every cycle of seven, we probably need to cover all the fundamental issues of the scripture, like grace, like justice, uh, like generosity, like kind. These things probably are covered in uh, 150-some messages a year, and uh, we, we do that. We cover a lot of territory, and for years what I would do is I kept track of every message that I preached, and at the end of the year, I'd look back, and I'd see what God had said, and I would see how God had fed his people. And as I walk, as you walk with God, because as leaders, it's one thing to hear God for us, but we're trying to hear God for you. And so that's our priestly role, to bring you to God and bring God to you and, and, bring, and bring God to you. That becomes who we are as, as, as a kingdom of priests. So it's not just us. He sees us as a kingdom of priests. And we have the wonderful responsibility of bringing God to humanity and bringing humanity to God. And everybody can do that. So we're not just this little narrow priesthood. This season of the church, the reason for the restoration of the fivefold ministry gifts is for the restoration of the priesthood of all believers. So that we will know our identity in Christ. So that we will accomplish everything that God des desires for us to accomplish. Is there, is there an amen in the room? Anyways, when, uh, in all my journey of life, I had never, uh, never did a series on Noah. And I felt like Holy Spirit was saying, I want you to understand Noah and how does Noah's life apply to 21st century culture. So I started trying to do some research on Noah and uh, what, what all went on in his life and to realize that most things on Noah are, are children's Bible stories. And I thought, that's rather interesting. We've relegated the subject of the ark. We've relegated the subject of Noah's life to children's church. And we've not looked into the depth of who Noah was in the eyes of God. And how God used Noah in a very power, powerful way. So... I began to do research on Noah, and I, and I couldn't find much. I really couldn't find much because I think he's become a Bible story. Rather than, what can I learn from the life of a man that's found in the Word of God? So if you have your Bibles today, and we go back to Noah, uh, in Genesis chapter 6. In Genesis chapter 6, it says a lot, big story about uh how the world was filled with wickedness. Verse 5 of Noah, chap of Noah chapter 6. <laughs> Misnomer there. The, the Lord saw in verse 5 of Genesis chapter 6. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart were evil all the time. The prophet says, Peter, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So how do we take seven, eight thousand years ago and bring it to Sunday morning in this local church? You want to give me that because that's going to irritate everybody. 
all the time we're here. So we won't excuse me. So how is Noah going to uh, work walk with God? So let's let's have a look at this scripture. It says, And the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart were evil all the time. Amazing. It says in the King James Version, it says that, that every thought and every imagination had become evil in the sight of God. And here's what God did. He said, I regret that I ever made man. Some translations say God said, I repented that I ever made man. Do you think that was a day of disappointment in the heart of God? He was disappointed with what he had created because we had moved away from the purposes of God. And so God was, I, I would say on that day, maybe he was ticked off. Would there be any agreement in the room for that? That he was ticked off. The Lord regretted that he made human beings on the earth. And his heart was deeply troubled. That's God. So the Lord says, I'm going to wipe from the face of the human race everything I've created. With them, the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have ever made those creatures. Now, several things that plague us as adults in our journey of life. Two words. One's remorse. The other's regret. Things we wish we had never done. Is there anybody here, you've done some things in your past that you wish you'd never done? Well, please tell the truth. Yeah. Are there any things that we've regretted, we've said that we wish we hadn't have said? Let's try this one. This one. And so... When, when believers journey in the journey of faith, lots of times, is to help people to get over their regret. For, regret for not doing things they know they're supposed to do. It's, it's really quite a thing when people have a list like that. And if we're really going to get to repentance, we've got to get to remorse. We've got to genuinely feel sorry for what we have done. And that's where the discipline of corporate confession comes to the body. That really by the Spirit it cleans the body up. When people step forward and say, these are things that I have done. I should not have done them. This has affected the body because we're a body. Is that not why we entertain the ordinance of communion? Because even some in the body have, have been sick and fallen asleep or passed because there were things in, within them that they did not deal with. Well, here's God's vantage points on humanity. He's just made this creation. Chapter 1, 2, and 3, and behold, everything's good. He made man, and he made woman from the man, and the light and the darkness and the moon, and behold, everything was good. And now, the same person, the creator, is saying, hmm, hmm, because the causation of sin that came into the world through one man's disobedience is why we struggle with what we struggle. And that's why all people born into the earth, have, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So here is God in the middle of all this, he says to verse number 8, he interjects some hope. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is a law of first mentions. It's like when David was pardoned, there was no pardon. So God established pardon through David. Before Noah, there was no grace. He established through the law of first mentions, he established grace. This man found grace when grace wasn't spoken of. I think that's highly fantastic. That God would introduce something from the place of divine initiative. Where he would initiate something that all of us desperately need to have a right 
relationship with God. And that's the grace of God. Can somebody say amen? Now at the end of this service, we're going to maybe do something maybe you've never done before. So let me prepare you in advance. Because this message is not going to be long. But maybe the message after the message might be longer. Because what we're going to do is we're going to bring this piece of furniture. I wonder, Jody, would you just come on up here? Would you just come on up here and grab a hold of this? Do you think I've got enough strength? To hold? Just, pick this, just bring it out about here. About right there. That's good. What we're going to do, thanks, Jody. What we're going to do is we're going to establish this today as the throne of grace. Is that okay? It's not. Okay, it's not. This is dedicated, this area, not just for dancing and celebration, but I've seen a lot of people meet God on this carpet. Anybody else seen people meet God? This morning what we're going to do is we're going to introduce this as the throne of grace. Most people, when you think about a throne, you think about judgment and justice. This morning I believe that there's going to be an opportunity for you and I to come to the throne of grace. And by an act of your faith, receive something from God that you need today, that I need. I'll probably be the first one there because I'm closest to the throne. Is that okay? Back to Noah. It says that this man found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Is there anybody here that's interested in finding favor in the eyes of the Lord? Anybody? You write down this in your notes or in your notes on your phone. Put this scripture down. Psalm. 5.12 becomes like a prayer for believers that the Lord would surround us with favor as a shield. Imagine that protective element of the favor of God. So here there was no grace. He established grace through one man. So Noah basically becomes a type of Christ, who is going to provide grace and redemption for us through the cross of Jesus Christ. So back to the story at hand. Let's keep going. Verse number 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Four things. Write these four things about Noah's life down. These are the pillars. Job had four pillars in his life. Noah had four pillars in his life. Two of the oldest men. In the history of humankind. What were these pillars? Noah was a righteous man in the eyes of God. Write down that word righteous. I know Kevin has done some excellent messages on what it means to be righteous. Noah was a blameless man. Now I'd like to ask you to do some Bible study this week. It's one thing to be righteous in the sight of God. It's another thing to be blameless in the sight of God and to be blameless in the sight of one another. Blameless is not a word that we uh, talk a lot about. But the word blame and blameless is a very key word. If you want to hear an excellent message sometime on blamelessness, Danny Dyer has a teaching series on the subject of living a life without blame in a contemporary culture. So according to God, this man Noah was blameless in his sight. He was without blame. So you couldn't put necessarily pin something on him because according to God, he was blameless. Number three, the scripture says here that he walked faithfully with God. Now, faithfulness is a very, very important part of the Christian life. Would you say amen with that? And God is looking for you and I to be faithful all the way to the end. Would that be kind of true? Louis B. Schmeeds wrote in his book on integrity and goodness. He said this, that integrity means being the same person inside and out all the way to the end. So if you and I are going to walk in the 21st century in a realm of blamelessness, it means that God is going to work on our integrity of life. 
was to be an amen on that. You know what, Job? How many remember Job? He went through everything he went through. Is everybody familiar with Job? Remember when his wife came, came in out of the bedroom and said, Look, Job, that's cut to the mustard. Just curse God and die. How would you like to have that for a kind of encouragement coming from your wife? <laughs> kind of fortify how he felt. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough. Just go ahead, curse God, die. Get this over with, and I can be a widow, and I can get on with my life. Whatever, whatever the story goes on. But listen to this. Square up your shoulders. And all that Job lost in one day, he lost all of his children. He lost all of his houses, and he lost all of his lands. And his head was, his body was covered with boils from the top of his head to the, the bottom of his feet. Boils on the bottom of your feet. And he was put outside the city, and he was put on an ash heap. That's where leprous people lived. Scripture says about Job, in all that, listen carefully, in all that he lost, he held fast to his integrity. Have you lost anything? In recent months or years, you've been tempted to pack it in Throw it off the side. Just square your shoulders up. Stay integrous. You've been ripped off in a business deal. Don't retaliate the way you've been treated. Square your shoulders back. Release forgiveness. Holy Spirit is here talking to us this morning. He's talking to us. I think of any pastors in this room, the greatest joy you have in doing funerals, whatever joy there is in it, is doing the funerals of righteous men and women. Would it be said of all of us that in the core of Desert Stream there was a righteousness and a blamelessness and a depth of integrity of life and a purity of spirit, and a meekness of lifestyle, and a, the grace of God, so known that it would flow from this place like liquid honey. And the thing about grace is we've made it so trite. Let me tell you, something that says this, for by grace are you saved, is not trite. And it's not sloppy agape. It's not just nice, warm feelings. Grace has the power to save us. Ha! That's powerful. Save me from what, Ken? From all my sin, all the stuff I've done. How many remember the day you were forgiven from your sin? Does anybody remember that day when the load was lifted and you were free from all that stuff? And we don't have to carry that stuff anymore. That's grace. I remember a man in our congregation a number of years ago, he got upset. I was doing a series on grace. My dad, all the time, he quoted, my dad quoted scriptures all the time. You met him, and you have a scripture for you. Have you been thinking about this? Have you been thinking about, I was reading this scripture this week. My dad would, I could hear him say and hear him pray that we might know the marvelous grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And that, oh here it comes, that we might grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And a man in the congregation took offense to me saying that you could grow in grace. I said, pardon? Yeah, they left the body. Because some believe you get all the grace you get at one time. Well, you can have that amount if you want. But I want grace then and I want grace today and I want grace tomorrow. And I want the grace of God to be active that I can take hold of it at any time. I don't know about you, but I've discovered in my journey I need grace on a regular basis. Is there anybody else in the room that you might 
God, would you be gracious to me? Man, I messed that thing up. Would you be gracious to me? You know, I can still hear my father quoting those scriptures. And so I'm preaching, and this man, a beautiful guy in the body, said, well, I don't agree with you. I said, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Well, but that's what happens with many of our doctrines. Hyper-grace, non-hyper-grace. You can do anything you want. No, that's not what God is saying when grace of God is given to us. It's not a permission to sin. <laughs> it's not permission to do what we want and we can know we can just take advantage of the grace. That's, that's not it. The grace of God comes to us so powerful to set us free and to liberate us from the things that, that he has for us as, as his people. I don't know what you're smiling about here, but anyway, somebody's got something hit a funny bone somewhere. Oh, somebody's cell phone, okay. As long as it's not mine, I'm okay. Oh, okay, was it? Okay. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Let's skip right over to verse number 5 of chapter 7 to get the fourth point. And it said that Noah did all the Lord had commanded him to do. So the four points are this. Noah was righteous before God and his generation. He was blameless among the people. He walked with God in an intimate position and posture with him. And Noah was obedient to his assignment. Is there anybody here who would love to have an assignment from God that would take 120 years? Think about it. He starts building an ark where there is no water. Now that's kind of, that's the ultimate dry dock experience of society. Is that not true? Can you imagine building something that long, that big, that wide? Like, I just asked some logistical questions. You builders in the room, where did all the wood come from? How did it all get there? Who measured it and cut it? And were nails available back then? What did they keep it together with? What, how did it happen? Was Lego available back years ago? And they just put a Lego boat together. You know, it is dovetailed together. Like, were there carpenters back then that were cutting different rooms? Was there glue back? Like, do you ever ask any of these questions? Like, I don't know about you, but we think all these things are modern. Until you go to the places in the world and you wonder how they ever got them done. Thousands of years ago, you go, how did they ever get those pillars up in Athens, Greece? What technology was available back then that they could hoist a 25-foot column of solid marble. By the way, where did they get the chisels to chisel out that column to give it design? You know, I don't know about you, but I ask all these questions, you know, because I travel the planet, and as a result, and I go, oh, man, how'd it all happen? He gives them an assignment to build a boat. Hey, he tells them it's going to rain, and it had never rained before. Help me. They say, it had never rained before. Why? Because God has his own watering system. It's called dew. D-E-W. He waters the earth every night. If it wasn't for the dew of God, this place would burn up. So what he created, he sustains by the word of his power. And he established dew on the earth that the entire planet might be watered every day. We don't like the hoarfrost. We don't like God's dew. That's how God does things. Very sick. That was very bad. <laughs> but the bottom line is, nothing was available, guys. This, hey, this is not just a kid's story. For the adults in this room, why don't you take a journey with me this week and get fascinated again by the life of Noah. Bring some parallel references up into the life of Jesus and to the Apostle Peter and put the string together of the man who is used of God to find grace, to find favor in the eyes of God. For the Mark, for the very first time, no one had ever received that kind of favor. So what does he do? He does it. He obeys God. So four things. He was righteous. He was blameless. He walked faithfully and intimately with God. 
And then whatever God asked him to do, he did. Let's ask a question right now. Is there anything in this room that God has asked any one of us to do that we haven't yet done? If that be the case, why don't you go for it? Let me give you an illustration. My wife is here because her uncle passed away. He was 89 years of age, gave almost 60 years of his life to African missions. A delightful couple. On the way from Ajax yesterday, we stopped in to see his widow, who we love dearly, Arne and Elsie Bowler. And uh, Cheryl was a bowler. Her dad was Bill Bowler. And they pastored up in Bancroft, a nature man Bible camp. And the whole Bowler family have been committed to the life of missions and, and things like that. And um, where was I going with this story? Yeah, as God asks you uh, to do anything. So Aaron Bowler uh, out at uh, First Assembly when we were pastoring there, we did 12 missions focuses every year. The first Sunday of every month was dedicated to global missions. And so we would have guest missionaries like you guys do. And we'd have uh, different things, missing messages. And myself, our missions pastor, he would, he would do a message and all these kinds of things. But Aaron Bowler was there one day, and in the audience was this... Uh, Canadian surgeon and he had uh, he was 57 years of age and had come to our congregation and uh, he wanted to get to know God in a better way and so we became uh, uh, fast friends and he was hungry for the things of God and this beautiful lady uh, come in she was a former flight attendant with Canadian Airlines and she sat on this side, and he ended up sitting on that side. And you know how you sit on this side, and you see that person on that side. And uh, they caught eyes, and they caught heart. And, you know, before long, they're going to get married. So they got married. And they have a beautiful girl. She just got married a few months ago. Her name is Chloe. And she's just a very pleasant person. Well, Doc Brooks is sitting in the audience. And when Arn was finished preaching, he and Heather get up, and they walk down to this thing this place called the throne of grace, uh, the great throne of mercy, uh, comes up and they kneel down and they said, uh, when we were 18 and 19, when I was going to Oxford University to become a medical doctor, I, I made a commitment to God that I would spend, give part of my life to the African continent. But I came to Canada and I never did that because I got caught up in the wealth and everything that goes with it and all the trappings that comes with Obtaining wealth. Most of us, we have it. We don't know what to do with it, right? So we, we use it on ourselves. And so the Lord on that Sunday morning, like this Sunday morning, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And he comes and he repents of his mating a promise to do that. And now last week when I told him that Arn had died, he was on an aircraft to Malawi because he spent since 1957, since 57 years of age, he's been now in Malawi. He just turned 80 last week. Medical clinics. I don't know how many tens of thousands. Of, we, did, we served 198,000 people in one year. How about that? That's, can somebody say that's not too shabby? Not too shabby. And, and, and Dr., Dr. Brooks answers the call of God. He sells his home. He sells his 1964 Mustang. Oh my, yes. He sells his practice. He goes back to Oxford University. He gets trained in tropical disease medicine. He gets himself purpose. He comes to us. We start supporting him. We lay hands upon him. We send him out to work with Arn and Elsie. And now there he is today at the age of 80. He's six weeks in Canada, six weeks in Malawi, six weeks in Canada, Six weeks in Malawi, six weeks in Canada, six weeks in Malawi. And what is he doing with his doc? He's keeping going because, listen to this, Kev, he can't find anybody to take his place. So he's going. Two hip replacements. He's going. Is there a doctor in the house? We need a doctor to take his place. He just got on the aircraft last week and back to Malawi. He said, what are you saying, Ken? Well, he found grace at 57. 
promises that he promised. Lived in remorse that he'd never been there. Lived in regret, but an opportunity came in a local church like this where we believe in mobilizing people. We believe in recognizing God on people's lives, recognizing grace and favor, allowing them to rise up and commissioning them to the nations of the earth. Can somebody shout with me this afternoon? This is pretty good. I believe that God wants people in this place today to find grace. Find some favor. Anybody interested? So I'm going to skip from that story. Let's conclude this morning. Come on with me up to the book of Hebrews. And if the keyboard's player, if she could come back to the keyboard, Cindy, if that's your assignment, if you're still in the room, or somebody could come and help me out. Let's go to Hebrews. That's a coffee shop in most of the churches across Canada. Hebrews. It was initiated by God. Is that a good, good for you, Kevin? You can use that, can't you? Okay. We dedicate this right here today. Are you tracking with me? It's only 11.35. Stay with me. Usually I'm not done till afternoon, right? Well, this is going to surprise you today. Anybody interested in being surprised by the Spirit of God? Okay. The Scripture says this. You're coming early, Ted. Did you want to? <laughs> okay. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess or confess. We do not have a high priest who has unable to empathize with our weaknesses or our struggles or our infirmities, as some translations say. But we have a high priest, one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. That's why the sinless one can provide for us as sinners the grace that is necessary to be blameless and righteous in his eyes. Amen? When it comes to that, so let's see what the Scripture says. Verse 16, Ken. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Now in some translations it says we're to approach the throne of grace with boldness. Some say we're to approach the throne of grace with free utterance. Some of us are to approach the throne of grace like babbling. In other words, we come before God maybe broken on the inside. We don't, know, don't even know how to say what we need to say, but we just come before the throne of grace. So we establish this today as a, as a throne of grace. Basically a meeting place with God. An opportunity for us to come and to be with God and to meet with God. Because I believe that there are those in this room this morning that need to find some mercy. And only you know what mercy is necessary. What is mercy? Mercy is not getting what we deserve. It's not getting what we deserve. What's grace? It's getting from God what we don't deserve. So where'd you get that? Well, thank you very much. Came from my friend Bob Gal. That's his quote that came from him and I in a dialogue across the bottom of Toronto on our way to Huntley Street. We're talking, what's the difference between grace and mercy? And out of Bob came that very statement. It's not taken from us out of a book. It's taken from us out of our friendship journey with God. What's the difference between the two? Really, I don't care about the difference, really. The most important thing is I can get both. This morning in this room, anybody here say Ken I'm, I'm in need of the grace of God say what's the grace of God it's the favor and it's the grace of God that comes and we come here in that favor there's healing in that favor if we come with a repentant heart there's forgiveness in coming before the Lord and just kneeling in his presence you don't have to come no big deal if you don't want to come no, no problem I'll, I'll come by myself point is this, is grace is available for all of us today. Saving grace, sanctifying grace, there's about 
12 different ones we could call off of what, how does grace manifest itself? Maybe there's someone here today you've never been here before, never given your life to Christ. So you need to obtain from the throne today saving grace. Some of us have been in the journey. We need to take from God today sanctifying grace. So that grace that is in our process of our life. We say, God, I've been doing this and that and it's wrong and I need to receive your grace today. I need to receive your mercy. So the scripture says to us very plainly, very, very succinctly, can let us approach God's throne of grace. How? With confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So I say this morning, anybody in need this morning, I'm going to dedicate this place, an area, where you, you and I come and just meet with God. We talk to Him about receiving grace from Him to help us in our point of need. Let's stand together. Thank you, Father, that you make grace available for all of us. We know that you are here and that your grace is available for every one of us. Whatever grace we may need, I believe, Father, in my spirit that you want to release people from regret and remorse and provide mercy and grace. I believe, Father, there are those that are in difficulty that they need to receive of your grace and your mercy. And we're going to come. We're going to kneel in your presence. And I have confidence, not in myself, because I cannot give it. But I have confidence that as I come before you today, as I kneel or stand in your presence, I'm here to receive to obtain from you mercy and grace to help me in my time of need. If there's anybody like me this morning that you're in need, why don't you come and join me here this morning? Let's kneel in his presence. I'll give the microphone to Kevin. He can do what he wants. But be blessed in Jesus' name. just up for you to be honest with God. At the end of the day, that's really all that matters is that I'm able to be transparent with God. So Father, we just thank you today that God, you have spoken to us about our need of your great grace. Thank you, Lord, that you have freely given it to us. Because Lord, if it came with any strings attached, if it came with any uh, need for me to have to try and earn it, work for it, or anything else that there's not one of us would be able to be here today. But Father, you gave freely through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we're able to receive. And Father, we receive it today knowing that, Lord, once we receive it, that God, you will have assignments, you will have missions, you will have purpose for us. But Father, we give uh, ourselves to you in the wake of your incredible grace. Father, I pray your favor over those that got to go get their children. They got to, Father, things that they have to do. Father, we just bless you and release you to go today in the name of Jesus. But I encourage you to find God's grace and mercy here this morning and to not leave without doing business with God if God is speaking to you today. And Father, we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you this morning.